You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Well, I just got back from the holodeck battling a rock monster god alien... And boy, are my arms tired. It's Monday night. It's 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern, and it must be Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. Tonight, it's time to go once more into the holodeck of the Cerritos. It's Crisis Point 2. Paradoxicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicicic
uh, you know, it's a little tainted through the long lens of history, but uh, I th- I do think they do Kiss Dirty in a number of different ways. I think so. Maybe at the end of season three, you should come on as a special guest on our supplemental and we should just look back. Please, please. I would love that, that would be fun. Okay. <laughs> All right. Mark your calendars. Uh, Mission Log Prodigy, I'm so happy that will be back on, I believe, uh, November 1st. So that I'm- gives... So I, you're very excited. <laughs> and I know Norman is excited. Norman in, in uh, Discord today was saying that he might buy a PlayStation 2 just to buy the Star Trek Prodigy game. Mm-hmm. Or wait, or is it a Switch? I, it was one of those things. One of those. I, I can't remember. But all the games. All the games. Prodigy comes back on October 27th. So then Ashley, you and Norman will be reviewing that. Mm-hmm. And be sure anybody in the sound of our voices tonight, make sure that you start watching on October 27th. Watch with your kids and then have them send us a voice memo so we can hear what they think about the show. That's what it's all about. Remember, all of that content and more is on the Roddenberry Entertainment channel at YouTube, youtube.com slash Roddenberry Entertainment. And you can pick up all the podcasts at podcast.roddenberry.com. Now, uh, Ashley, we didn't do a poll this week. I apologize, but I was very entertained (laughs) at the uh, peanut hamper poll last week. Um, I I imagine that was a little more divisive than this week. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. You know, it'll be it'll be interesting, these polls going forward, because uh, I can barely read them. We can barely remember to get them up. People love them. So I'm excited to see what we get up to next week. Also next week's episode. All right. (laughs) Okay. Can't wait. Can't wait. Well, I tell you what, then let me get right into the recap for tonight's episode. I feel like there is so much to discuss. So uh, bear with me. Here we go. The Cerritos is taking a beating from a Romulan warbird while its uh, agents sneak on board and steal a valuable device, the chronogami that folds time just as it looks like all hope is lost the uss wayfarer swoops in to save the day with captain (laughs) bucephalus dagger in command who it's boimler in his very own holodeck story aided by his friends he's called away by commander ransom and returns seemingly deflated but he gets back into the story which now takes the gang to a starfleet temporal research lab on europa that's where the chronogami was developed and Captain Dagger's old flame has a way to track it. That leads to the next sequence on Tatashore 9. Most of the crew are immediately engaged in a chase with the Romulans who stole the device, but Dagger, Boimler, is distracted when one of the colorful local alien characters suggests something important to be found at a place called Kitgiha. It frustrates Mariner to miss the action scene, but Boimler seems to be on a more existential quest, a journey that could take them to discover the meaning of life itself. While Tendi, Rutherford, Hollow Freeman, Hollow Tana, and Hollow Ransom and Hollow Shacks follow the Romulans through a time fold into the past, 2341 to be exact, Boimler obsesses over a side character with a skin map, ew, to Kit Yeha. A frustrated mariner steps out of the simulation to confer with Ransom and get to the bottom of the real issue. Ransom told Boimler just this morning that his transporter clone on the Titan died in a freak accident, a gas leak in his quarters. Mariner returns to the holodeck only to be thrown into the brig of a transport ship with Boimler. He's depressed. The map didn't lead anywhere, so his game is a bust. His friends are on a different adventure, and now Mariner asks about losing William. Moimler admits that it hit him hard, that his clone died senselessly. He's ready to quit his own game, but Mariner discourages him. She found meaning in her game, and he can find it in this one. They carry on, with the help of side character Knick-Knack, who breaks them out of the brig. When the three arrive on the bridge, it's the old man with the skin map, again, you, who is in command. But Boimler and his friends quickly gain the upper hand. The map does indeed lead to the legendary Kit Yiha, which is where they will head next. 
back to the other team. They've bounced around time where the Romulans are plotting to prevent the foundation of the Federation itself, and Rutherford's just not taking any of this seriously at all. They lose Holotana to a disruptor blast along the way, and it becomes clear that Tendi is taking this very seriously as a test of her command skills. Rutherford encourages her, and with a renewed resolve, she rewinds the timeline back to the bridge of the Cerritos, where she foils the Romulan plan right from the start. Meanwhile, Boimler and Rutherford arrive at the third moon of Shadanari in search of Kitiha. They find an alien godlike rock creature who just spouts cheesy aphorisms when confronted by Boimler about the meaning of life. It frustrates Boimler to no end, who just starts physically attacking the being, which reveals a look inside the beast. It's Kitchiya. It's I got it wrong completely. It's Kitchiya itself. It's just a monument to the Wright brothers' first flight, which makes no sense whatsoever. Boimler's search for meaning is a failure. He falls to the ground, passes out, and wakes up at a farm. Captain Kirk's farm? Well, no, now it's occupied by Captain Sulu, who gives Boimler a few words of advice. The randomness of death is merely a reflection of the unexpected joys we find in life. Boimler starts to quiz his hero more, but this part of the story isn't part of the holodeck simulation. Boimler was clinically dead, dehydrated after too long in the holodeck, and was revived by Dr. Tana. In sickbay, he hears about the adventure his friends had, and Mariner lets them know that Boimler beat up a god. All in all, it was a good sequel to Crisis Point, and no cliffhanger in sight. Cut to somewhere else. William Boimler is woken up by a shadowy figure and handed a badge representing Section 31. The end. The most pointed trolling of the producers of New Trek yes. in this one badge. Yes. <laughs> because because oh. the, the black badge is, is really cool. I love it. It's a great yeah. visual language, but like really intelligent observation, like do CIA, I don't know, whatever America's version of a mildly secret service, wear a badge that denotes their rank. Do CSIS agents, that's the one that I know. Uh, right, no, right. no, they don't. But also we know that the Section 31 show has been in the ether for a really long time. And it is mm-hmm. wild to me that both disco and Lower Decks now have been like, you know what? We can do this too. And we did it first. Yes, yes. So, and, and you know what I love is that, okay, we got introduced to the whole Black Badge thing in Discovery Season 2, right? Mm-hmm. I believe, yeah. Okay, so we're talking 2018 into 2019, just as Lower Decks is like in production and getting rolling, you know, but they've already, uh, obviously, they had already written their scripts for uh, Season 1. And now, like, now is the sweet spot where Modern Trek is all sort of converging so they can refer to each other. Like, I'm almost more excited about that bit of trolling than I am about the fact that we will have live action lower decks in Strange New Worlds. Like, that this is just so cool to me. Yeah. Like, I love this. <laughs> I, 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 I love it. I appreciate it, but it it feels pointed in a way that a lot of the other references, <laughs> because we're, we're referencing, like, we've got Archer, we're going deep in the movies yeah. here oh um, yeah in a, in a way that we're we're used to the quick and fast list john's favorite trope of all time in <laughs> <the list. laughs> and, and this is a much more in-depth exploration of this and then to sort of end with this pointed barb and easter egg from within the new trek continuity i thought this was really smart but it's very like it, it feels very Mike McMahon, very Lower Dexy to me. <laughs> yeah. By the way, did you do what I did? And and in that last scene where they're in the Federation Hall, I freeze-framed. And I was like, ooh, yeah, they're wearing those blue Enterprise uniforms. 100%. <laughs> I'm also obsessed with the, the marriage of the Cerritos uniforms and the Deep Space Nine greys, which are my all-time favorite. Yes. Stars. Like, they're two of my favorite uniforms, and they had a baby in this episode, and I can't wait to see them in real life. Yes, yes. Oh, and, and by the way, there's an Andorian in that freeze frame, a tiny, tiny little Andorian at the table in the that uh, Federation. Beautiful. They are. 
There you are. <laughs> All right. Uh, so much to say. Uh, let's get to our first car. Let's let them drive for a little while, shall we? Okay. Let us welcome back to the show, Chris. Chris, welcome. How are you welcome. doing tonight? Hey, good to see you guys. Good to be back. Yeah. Uh, I like this week. I didn't like it as much as some of the other stuff this season, nor as much as the first movie episode, but it was still good. I don't know. It just wasn't okay. grabbing me as much as some of the other stuff has. Why? So why is that? Is it, it? Did you feel a disconnect with the story itself, or was it the dramatic turns? Go a little yeah, deeper. Uh, Tell me a little I, more. Felt, I felt like we, were, we, cut, we shifted the balance a little bit too much into like the, the joke and the parody side. This mm. week, like the first movie episode, it was very much, this is a Mariner character study, like wrapped in a very loose veil of not any one particular movie, but just the movie tropes in general. And we had a lot of, you know, Mariner time. And this week, which you can argue is either a Boiler episode or a Tendi episode, you don't get a lot of them until like the last four or five minutes. And I would have liked uh, some of that character stuff to be stretched out a little more is all. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, by the way, and because I am checking in on the uh, the chat, a couple of things here. By the way, uh, David, very impressive to see you both in Facebook and Twitch, because now I can see the whole thing and YouTube. Wow, you have them all. So <laughs> very. I'm just very pleased that technically this worked out on my end and didn't kick Earl out of doing his job for the show. So this is actually for once, all the technology is working. Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. Uh, but I do want to bring up, we will have have him as our next caller but dr dawson says tawny tawny newsome replied to his question about the what is this alien of the week bs that line <laughs> that it was probably a tawny ad lib so that is very cool to uh, to know that uh, a little ad lib made it into the show and of course david pointing out tattashore nine where do they think of these names so. I, uh, it's so funny. I went and saw a variety show at a comedy club in LA on Saturday night, and Tawny was one of the surprise guests. <gasps> no way. I also think it's interesting with Chris's reactions and criticisms mm -hmm. of this episode because one of my thoughts when the episode initially started was this very much feels like season one Mariner. She's very at Boimler the whole time and it's not until later after I think my favorite scene she's ever had with Ransom I really liked that scene where they were just together for that brief oh yeah that they've been having yeah um, yeah that she understands the width and breadth of the situation and then kind of goes back to becoming the better friend that we've watched her evolve to and I, I do think that Rutherford kind of falls by the wayside in that same way um in the Tendi arc I uh, you think that Rutherford is just sort of uh, it's like a perfunctory thing just to move her along and he's or... and he's just irritating and picking at her yeah and, and we yeah. sort of excuse that at the end because he's like no this is like super fun happy time like we're chilling on uh, on the holodeck playing this game and I didn't realize you were taking it seriously like he in the same way that Mariner doesn't realize that there's yeah. something lying underneath but because it takes so long into the episode for both of them to land in that space I can see how like, I was dissatisfied with that until I had seen the full episode. And then, obviously, John and I watched it a bunch of times. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Talk to Michelle. yeah. <laughs> well, essentially, you know, you have to give everybody – this is the challenge that – and it's why I'm not a TV writer um, – that you have to give every character that you're focused on in an episode an arc. But then you also have to give them season-long and or series-long arcs as well. And I, I think what you're pointing out here is something like, okay, you have to rewind Mariner a little mm -hmm. bit in order to get her sensitivity toward what's happening with Boimler to play, to give her a place to go. You know, In this episode, her functionality is to push him to that point so that mm -hmm. he has this growth moment and we as the audience have this realization. But I, I just meant that I could see if, if you might feel dissatisfied beginning with this. There's a weird tone at the beginning of the episode. Mm. Even though we know it's a sequel and it's like, ooh, sequel, fun time. Right. <laughs> is that uh, is that the feeling, Chris? Did a we, little bit, uh, yeah. I think yeah. also some of it is, and you were kind of alluding to that in like how people play their roles, is like I feel like they wanted to set up the reveal of, oh, William died. And, oh, the reveal that Tendy wants to be captain. And because to make that a reveal, you have to not tell the audience that until late <laughs> in the game. And so yeah. you spend most of the episode being like, well, what's the deal with us first? I mean, it is just a movie. Cut him some flack, Tendy. Like, you don't right. know why she's so angry, and it takes a while to sort of... And once you get there, you're like, oh, okay, 
just makes sense. But yeah, long, long way to get to something interesting. Right, right. I, I getcha. Um, well, I, sorry, anything else? Because we do have a, a handful of uh, callers. Apparently it is Hollywood Squares in the Earl Green Room tonight. Um, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I know, right? Wait, yeah. Who's in the middle? Yeah. Well, Paul Lind, obviously. <laughs> I want to be Paul Lind! <laughs> <laughs> so, any other thoughts tonight, Chris? No, I mean, there were, there were some good jokes. Uh, I like Rutherford's over-enthusiasm at uh, 1992 CGI. That's always a good callback. Um, yeah. And Knickknack in general. Love Knickknack. Love Knickknack. Future cosplay? <laughs> Wait, future See, that's cosplay? That's more like of... aesthetics than it is yarn, so I don't know about that. that yeah, is it, is it little Knickknack or a kick-ass Knickknack? Because <laughs> I love that reveal. Also, look, as a Bond fan, uh, when I hear Knickknack, I immediately think of uh, Hervé Villachez in The Man with the Golden Gun. That was just where my mind went. So don't know if it was anybody else, but that's fine if it wasn't. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for calling in, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, okay? All right. See you around. Take it easy. Have a good night. A um, couple other comments here. I just want to see what folks are saying. And these multiple chats now, I just I have the power of being able to read everybody's chat, and I'm loving that. You're basically an energy being from <laughs> early Roddenberry track. <laughs> like, like, like a rock monster energy being <laughs> yeah. who is just solely invested in chat conversations. Uh, let's see here. I thought Mariner, oh, Evelyn says, I thought Mariner was being like that at first, mostly because Boimler was piggybacking on her crisis point thing. Sure. Although, you know, it was kind of a weird choice at first, at first. She was being so supportive, like right there in the mm-hmm. game. And then there was a very quick turn to not be as supportive. Like it, 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 tonally, that that felt strange. But it was over so fast, and we just got to the heart of the story so fast. I didn't really worry too much about that, you know. Um, Dave Takechi says, "I really loved the space station regular one computer monitor. It brought back many wonderful memories of programming basic language on my Texas Instruments computer plugged into my floor TV made of wood." Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know you made it spell boobs. <laughs> that's that's what you do. Of course, that's what you do. Um, yes, that, that whole sequence in the lab, all the computers that looked like regular one, the costumes looked like regular one costumes, and the most important prop in the entire galaxy right there front and center. You cut to that lab and there's the blinky, flashy red light thing right in front. I texted uh, Mike Mullen, director of this episode today, and I said, that was brilliant. It was incredible. And he goes, that's just because I put the blinky, flashy red light thing in front, right? <laughs> I said it was pretty... Also, humble brag, yeah. director. Well, yeah, and look, by the way, by the way, friend of the show, welcome to call yes. back at any time that he wants. I didn't necessarily invite him explicitly to tonight's conversation because look, I didn't want it to be too obsequious I'm gonna I'm gonna share something with you all right now. Subsequious sorrow, yeah. my lord. Use using big words, right? <laughs> I think this is my favorite individual episode of Lower Decks so far. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are other episodes that have favorite moments. I think mm. there are other collections of episodes that have favorite uh sequences or arcs that we get to, but just taken on its own. This one hit all the sweet spots for me. We can get into why uh, as we you move can along. Tweet at Mission Log <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know the score. All right. Uh, let us move on to our next caller, and that is the doctor himself, Dr. Dawson. How are you doing tonight? I'm well, John. Thanks for having me, as usual. Um, Good to uh, see you hanging out with your best friends. <laughs> your best I friends. You got, you, I, you got Commander Ransom, the bartender, uh, Nurse I, I forget his West name. Lake. Nurse Westlake and no, no, uh, no, no, but 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 you got Matt the uh, Matt the whale. Yeah, I will, I will yeah. always hang out with Matt the whale. I of mean, course. that's the thing. But um, yeah, yeah. Talk about uh, Taj Nine. Uh, yes, Nurse Westlake of uh, the composer uh, Chris Westlake. Nice. Um, yes. So so nice to see some uh, on screen time. <laughs> Well, on screen time for some right. of the behind the scenes people here. Um, 
so many inside references. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. What else? I just thought this episode was full of, and this was crazy in the chat, it's full of references from the movies. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's not, you know, you're not going back too much into the series, mm-hmm. but there's so much from two and five and. Yeah. yeah. Well, two, five, I, you could, I'm with the time travel, you could say yeah. four, um, and even that opening graphics, a very motion picture, uh, style yeah. that they had in there. Um, I, I, well, which I think all makes a lot of sense because, of course, it is the Cerritos crew in a movie. They're, they're holiday. Like, it was a weird thing to refer to it in universe as a movie, you know? Like, I, I think that most of the time when we've had our Star Trek characters in the holodeck, they've referred to it as the holodeck or a holodeck mm-hmm. story or holodeck simulation or a novel, as we got in Voyager. But um, they haven't actually referred to themselves ever other than Lower Decks as being in a movie. So, yeah. yeah and, a- and Mariner says, what is this, some kind of crappy fan fiction? So... <laughs> If yes. it was my fan fiction, there'd be a lot more kissing, so don't drag it. Ah! Okay? <laughs> Primarily between Tendi and Rutherford, right? That's right. That's yeah, right. that's they right. Have beautiful babies. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> nice, but I I think so, uh, Doctor. What you are getting at here is actually one of the reasons that this uh, has ascended to the top of my list of favorite individual yeah. episodes, and that is that there are a ton of references in this episode, but but they didn't do what drives me insane, which is they didn't stop and explain the joke. They just did the joke. They did the reference and then they moved on. And that was it. And the thing that always drove me crazy with previous episodes of lower decks is like something would happen. And then inevitably Mariner or somebody would say, Oh, it was like that thing that Kirk did, or it was like that thing that Spock did, you know. But instead, like you get to the big reveal, Kit Yiha, right? And it's just this huge letdown, and Boimler says that doesn't even make sense. And then we're just done, right? He passes out and we're done. Had this been written differently, had this been written like earlier episodes of Lower Decks, I feel like they would have stopped and he would have said, at least V'ger made sense, at least, blah, 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 you know, and you would have explained, you would have telegraphed the joke to the audience. This, it moved along at that fast pace, you hit the references, and then you move on. And that is all I ever asked out of Lower Decks. So thank you to whomever was the uh, story editor on this one, the script editor. Really watching Mission Log. You nailed it. You nailed it. Yes, yes. Um David, by the way, and hold that thought, Dr. David says, uh, this episode truly breaks the mold for poking fun at its own franchise in such a deep cut way. Some of it only apparent to those of us in the con scene, uh, like the fan film line and the jab at the JJ films. Yes, yes. The Kelvinverse is all over this episode. <laughs> there are so many Kelvinverse references, the bikes, the like Tendi basically says it and drags the entire Kelvinverse, which is kind oh, of a reference to when they were mentioned God. in disco. Yes. Like they, they, it's it's eggs, it's Easter eggs on eggs on eggs on eggs and eggs and eggs. That is it's just eggs all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> That's, Scramble yeah. all over the place. Uh, I <laughs> love it. I almost wonder if the writers went into the writing room for this and says and and literally said, We're gonna make a fan fiction movie. Because that's yeah. what it is. It's right. it's if it's if I'm me and I and I watched have watched every episode of Star Trek ever made at least twenty times each. Uh, how many and, times? Right. <laughs> and so, right. oh yeah, we're gonna pull this. If I was gonna make a movie, sure, we're gonna pull this in and we're gonna pull that in because those were the cool things. But it was fan fiction, so it's disjointed. Yes. You know, it just goes yeah. from, oh, let's pull this Wrath of Khan scene. Oh, in the in the regular lab. Oh, wait, now now we're on a mountaintop somewhere. Right, right. And riding bikes and 
Well, and, and almost in a way, like, dragging Picard for mm-hmm. doing the punk scene. I mean, and realize that these are probably written very separately just because of the timing of production. But oh, yeah. uh, but just by reference to the, oh, did you get the punk scene? Like, yeah, oh, there were punks there. There, yeah, It's... Oh, it, it was absolutely perfect in the way that played out. Yeah, yeah and I just realized when you said that um, Rutherford made a bad French accent, <laughs> like yes. the, like the I don't uh, the free cloud when they're on free cloud. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and Picard just... has the eye patch on, and he's like, "I'm the French guy." Oh, right, right. <laughs> So oh. that's and I, and the other Picard reference I thought was they for the Romulan trio, mm-hmm. I thought they used the Commodore O Romulan oh. look her style as, oppo- the, as opposed the, doing a hand gesture nobody can see with the design of the uniform you mean well even yeah. even the face structure <laughs> rather than like the Romulan commander from Enterprise incident or Troy oh, sure, in sure. when Troy was on the Romulan ship and, and that those commanders like this was the Romulans in this universe are the Picard era. Yeah. Romulans. I, I just, I happen to really like the symmetry of the Romulan triplets with the streaks in their hair lined up the way that, that this is great. They're Excellent art very, direction. Um, Stepford cuckoos. If anyone hears an X-Men breather. <laughs> Oh, very good. Hey, uh, Doctor, we got a split just because we have many more callers lined up and uh, we'll need to do a break in a moment. So uh, we will say goodnight to you and uh, catch you next time. Okay. See you next time. All right. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, before we go to our break, let's let's take one more call, shall we? Because yeah, it's Alan and he's there hanging out with the Cerritos gang. So what's up, Alan? By the way, Alan, I thought I thought of you when that that last scene was, you know, location redacted. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, yes. Hold on. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm there too. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Awesome. That's, What's a, that's, a, that's a deep cut for the Discord crowd. <laughs> yes. What uh, What is on your mind tonight about the oh, show? Oh mm-hmm. boy, guys, this this was a good one. Um, yep. Yeah, just I I just wanted first of all to sort of you know piggyback and echo John some of the things you were saying about how the humor works in this episode specifically Mm -hmm. compared to previous lower decks and maybe take it one step for, you know, further in that it's not just, you know, Hey, we got, you know, this ref, this specific reference to star Trek, but it is a star Trek esque thing that we're getting. Like it's not the Dura sisters again. It's the Romulan triplets. It's, <laughs> right. you know, why wouldn't Star Trek have an algae crisis? <laughs> right. Right. I, yeah. I, I think that's that's brilliant and, you know, wonderful. And it's sort of like, it's like, okay, we're making jokes not just about Star Trek itself, but how Star Trekky we can make this show. And yeah. it's just really lovely. And uh, I will say I thought of you when, when the, when the, when the blinky red light prop came up. So there you go. Right back at you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I yeah. was like, Oh, this is, this is going to make people very happy. <laughs> Me included. Yeah. No, it's just, it's very interesting that we're, we're what in total 28 episodes into lower decks, right? That's wild. Yeah, we're 28 <laughs> episodes in and and to me I, and I'm I, I'm glad I'm not the only one kind of saying this. There was something very different here that felt like yeah, there were the references, but it was actually a Star Trek story about Star Trek stories. And it, that also was about fandom, et cetera. But it was primarily it was about Star Trek stories, and that's what really worked for me, um, as opposed to just being like a list of references. We had those too, mm. uh, but I think they were handled much more deftly here. So, mm. yeah, yeah, it was it was really sort of just kind of nice how it all sort of came together, and I think that. Um, yeah, there were there were definitely some times when I was like, if this was a full live action length episode, 
we would get more depth out of what's going, you know, why Rutherford and Tendy seem to be at odds. Like, mm. like Ashley, like you were saying earlier, um, because on a, on a level that did sort of bug me. Uh, but then again, I could really identify with both of them <laughs> in that, in that, in that scene, because I, I'm a person who, when I'm do when I'm playing like D and D or, or an RPG or something like that, I both want to be really into the story like Tendi was, but also am blown away by how, Bleeping cool and fun <laughs> it could be, like right. Rutherford was. Right. And just in general, MVP, MVP yeah. of the movie, right here. This this girl. Yeah. Well, and you know what? We were talking not that long ago about who has that aspiration to yeah. be a captain, who has yeah. the aspiration to go up through the command uh, line, and it, I, it, she just announces it in this yeah. episode. Pretty great. Yeah, I feel like this is, you know, another sign, a good sign for the writing is that this does feel like sort of a, a culmination of something that has been building for the last three or four, at least episodes, um, especially since, you know, I think maybe in season, was it season two when she first was like, hmm, you know, I could be a nurse for the rest of my career or I could, you know, find some other way of advancement mm-hmm. um so yeah just really good for her and you know the the mariner ransom scene i felt was sort of like a nice you know continuation of the arc that they've been going on this yeah. season too so you know just overall i i don't want to take up too much time but yeah i don't know i i can't necessarily say best or you know top 10 or or top five or anything like that but man just just really good really fun all the way through nice all right well alan thank you so much we'll see you next time take care thank you for the call yeah and uh enjoy the commercials maybe rutherford will pop by and try to get us to drink some orange juice or something. <laughs> Very that good. is so funny every time. I mean, good for you. Uh, every time. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Awesome. Bye. See ya. Well, yeah, speaking of commercials, it is that time. We're kind of mid-show, maybe running a little bit long, but hey, there's a lot to talk about. Let me just remind everybody that patreon.com slash mission log, that is your way to get early access to our shows. It is your way to get exclusive swag that is only for the Patreon community. And most importantly, okay, our Discord is going nuts. Our Discord is absolutely blowing up. There's a lot of chat there about pretty much any fandom under the sun. But then something happened. Norman and I started talking and realizing, wait, all these people are doing all this live content using that platform. And it's great. Of course, there's Mission Log After Dark. That's where we get together every week and we talked about the current episode of Mission Log. But guess what? It keeps growing. There's the Orville. So every Wednesday, if you want to do a watch through and talk about it with Captain Mike, you can do that. We've got Stargate Sundays that Norman has been hosting Sunday mornings. Uh, we've got Con Tiki Wednesday nights, and that's there for people who want to talk about conventions and real life get togethers and make plans. Um, I, I know that I'm missing some, but this is the perfect segue as I remind you to go to patreon.com slash mission log, pick the support tier that's right for you. My favorite, the thing that we have just now launched and kind of made part of the discord family twilight zone. We're doing twilight zone chat live in discord and you can join it with uh, the host of time enough pod. And that would be Matthew who incidentally is our next caller. So, I know, right? It's like we planned it, but we didn't. Uh, So you know to join us, patreon.com slash mission log. I see you, Mike. I see you being clever in the chat there. You you know what you're doing Wednesday afternoons, doing your uh, uh, live chat about the Orville. Join us, patreon.com slash mission log. And with that, let's get right to our next caller, who I already told you is Matthew from Time Enough Pod. Matthew, welcome to the show. Hello. It's uh, lucky for me. I can call into a Mission Log Live like twice a year. This is one of those times. Yeah, so, yeah. I had that thought. I was like, what time is it? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my vacation week. It's great. So. Nice. Hi, nice. Ashley, as well. <laughs> Welcome. Um, 
Yeah, I, we had the first one of those chats uh, this Monday. I'm now tasked to track down the Japanese-only CD releases of the uh, original series soundtrack. It was released on vinyl in the States, but only on a CD in Japan. So Wow. <laughs> no pressure. Next, yeah, right. The next one will be um, your October 30th, but my October 31st. So I, I'm going to show up in costume for that one. So, nice. Nice. Right Excellent. Very um, cool. As for this episode, I just made like a couple talking points because there's a lot of people behind me. Two are stupid. Yeah. One is maybe smart. So um, <laughs> I thought you were first... the people behind you were stupid for a second. I was like, you just drag them. <laughs> and I got, I got three points. One, I'll, I'll posit a poll question for you. Okay, great. This is that uh, Will Will Boimler. Will Will Boimler sport a goatee next appearance? Option A being full mirror Spock, option B being smooth as an android's behind. So, oh, okay, okay, nice. I'm going android behind, but but that's okay. That's just, this is one vote. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm betting probably the goatee, especially if they're going to be appearing close together. Mm, I really okay. want the goatee. Um, that's that's yeah. my vote. Um, okay. One non track reference in this episode we, we already went ooh about the skin map but both times <laughs> we saw it i was totally thinking of the uh, mad magazine uh fold-in cover yep same so yeah okay yeah just making sure i was you know it's so disgusting i was like but but there's something there is that it <laughs> yeah um, yeah and, and oh uh c- carry on because the 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 body type on that thing was very much like a uh a weird loose skin alien from Oh gosh, there's an '80s sci-fi movie, and the name of it is just on the tip of my tongue. But but carry on, I, I will find it. It's I will got find Doctor it. Who okay. vibes too. It reminds me of Cassandra, like moisturize me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Now the uh, thing that really got me in this episode that I liked was uh, Boimler deciding to, you know, in his existential crisis, basically deciding to search for a ghost in the machine, like trying to get the universe to mm. talk to him directly. Like, he's so, you know, he's such. I mean, nobody else has a problem where their exact clone has died stupidly. I mean, that's not what happened, of course, but that's what seemed to have happened in the episode. So that's what he's thinking. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that he's like, Almost like trying to, you know, take a religious leap into the machine, which I thought was interesting. See that, like, if we were doing the the full mission log discussion about this, which I think for this episode could be a few hours long, to be yes. quite honest. Like, this is one of those points where you've got, yeah, a a player character talking to the computer because you know, the holodeck is a computer, but talking to the computer, trying to work out this very heavy idea about the nature of existence. And that that is really incredible stuff. Like, that is pretty awesome. By the way, uh, just because I know that you're all so worried about this, and I, I don't want you to lose any sleep over it, the movie I'm thinking of is Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone wow, from John. 1983, wow. starring uh, an up-and-coming Molly Ringwald. So uh, that is a movie I'm thinking of that has weird, disgusting uh, aliens with all their skin hanging around. That That's the one. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome for that visual. I might have uh, a shadow memory of that on a VHS uh, show yes, somewhere in the 80s. Right, <laughs> right, right. Uh, that is excellent stuff, Matthew. Did we cover all the uh, all the points there? Uh, just that that point. Without, I'll keep it very vague as to not do any spoilers. But I felt like the uh, Orville novella kind of hit some of the same concepts of Ooh. following the machine. So I, it's just cool, you know. We're getting some cross, you know, cross philosophical sci-fi in our in our gullets these days. And uh, if anyone does read that, it it stands up. It should have been an episode. So <laughs> interesting. Well, and, and if anybody hasn't downloaded the episode of Mission Log the Orville where Jessica and Mike covered that, please do. So yeah. Okay. That's what Excellent. I got. So Matthew. I think there's a few more rolling in. So there I will are. talk to you later. <laughs> a pleasure. Till next time. All right. As always. Take bye-bye. care. Take care. Uh let's just go right to our next caller calling yes, from that uh, weird bird planet. It's Rhea. <laughs> Yes, hey. I'm one of the stupid people after Matthew. Thank you. <laughs> sorry, I'm so oh, sorry. No. I saw your reaction and it was everything. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, the shoe fits, but no, <laughs> no, 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 we love you. Yes, oh, we it's love all you. good. It's all good. Welcome. Oh, I love you guys. It? I'm happy to see you guys. Yeah, what okay, is on your I mind? Wanted to, I wanted to talk some Easter eggs, but non Star Trek Easter eggs. And mm. um, that's like last week. What I really loved about the episode is it reminded me of all the, those silly cartoons I watched growing up with birds that went caca, caca. <laughs> so, um, Nice. This week, there um, the the non Star Trek references that I noticed. Um, now there's one I'm forgetting because I didn't take notes because I'm one of the stupid people. Um, <laughs> but we're gonna live this down. Uh, <laughs> it's all right, you know. I'm okay with that. But the, the Romulan triplets. So I, I was getting some GI Joe vibes because the Romulan triplets reminded me of Tomax and Zaymot. Um, and the the Australian punks were the dreadnoughts from GI Joe the cartoon series. Um, <laughs> nice. There's the reference I can't remember, but then the one that that I about lost it was: "Is this heaven? No, it's Idaho." <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so funny! <laughs> I thought of you, Alan. Um, uh, oh, so funny on so many levels. But there was one Star Trek reference, one Easter egg that I haven't heard anyone mention yet. Ooh. And I, of course, would have never picked up on it, but I heard um, Ben Rogers, one of the writers, was interviewed and he brought this up. Okay, so we had a couple of cool planet names. We had Tadashore 9. Yep. We had Shatnaria. Yes. Do you remember that? Yep. Okay, so do you remember in Star Trek V, um, they had originally wanted Sean Connery to play the role of Cybok? Uh-huh. And as part of you know the way they were enticing him the planet was shakari shakari right yes. so um apparently mike mcmahon pretty much had to like call in all his cardassian favors to get uh george takei on the show but <laughs> he was also aiming for shatner hence the planet name shatneria wow okay yeah. that so it isn't just throwing a name oh, at a moon no there is actually it some was, purpose behind that too Very yes, cool. It, well I, was, I, yeah. I did write down in my notes so one of my favorite exchanges is between boimler and sulu captain kirk oh my no it's captain sulu even better <laughs> I mean, honestly, though. Uh, uh, yeah, right? I mean, come on. Uh, so good. The horse is going to bite you now. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I want to be woken up all the time. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I was kind of like Chris in that, like, as the episode started, it took me uh, it took me a little bit to get into it. By the time it was not even over, I'm like, this is the best episode ever! <laughs> and, um, and then there was the little cliffhanger at the end, and I, yeah. No, I, I was in. Lo- I love this episode. But yeah, the Sulu I, part might have been the best. Th- this is one that really benefited from definitely from watching more than a couple of times uh, because it, it, you know when I first started it, I felt like okay, we're doing a holodeck, we're going to make a lot of references, but they nailed the mm-hmm. two things. They the humor was tempered just right in a way that I liked it, mm-hmm. which I know that humor yeah. is very subjective, but they also got these character moments and, and just specifically mm-hmm. with Boimler to have like a, have a, a real depression about what happened and have real yeah. questions that then land on a very Star Trek kind of moral meaning message. It takes me right back to Star Trek, the motion picture Here's a machine asking about the nature of existence and the meaning of life, but it boils down to something very simple. It's not about all these aphorisms. It's not about like just grabbing a meaning. It is about truly finding the meaning in your heart. And I I thought it was, it was just great, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nailed it. Isn't it crazy? The depth that we're getting from cartoons. Yeah. Yeah in this really short time frame, these really yeah. short episodes and they can really stick the landing on it. In yeah. a really yes. specific storytelling style as well, right? It's not just animation, but it's this like adult animation that has to serve both the comedy and the drama side of things. Yes. Mm-hmm. And by the way, let's talk about how cinematic that was that opening and seeing the beautiful. Wayfarer come in, seeing that beautiful Romulan ship, it yeah. just looked like a million bucks. It looked- Could you believe the graphics? Oh, incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. Next movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, now we're talking. Out of it. <laughs> yeah. Now we're talking. Uh, I was specifically talking about the origami 
temporal origami graphics. But <laughs> the, the yeah. way that that is, it looks so to, good. in my opinion, such an obvious dig at the unobtainium of it all in yes. the Avatar universe. I was like, the the origami, the space origami is so silly. Yes, it's so yeah. perfect. And yeah. and I love that the explanation got cut off. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> Absolutely <Yes>. perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rhea, we do have Paul standing by as our next caller. Do you have any final thoughts? Nope, I'll hand it off to the next stupid person. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Rhea, take care. A pleasure. You too. (laughs) Bye. All right. Paul, welcome to the show. I'll try to live up to the hype. (laughs) (laughs) As as, as the past two callers have taken all my points, Uh, although I do like the cheesy rock creature reference you have in your, um, you know, your coverage, I I must say that was. I'm not sure if I if I was relieved or, you know, you watch this thing come out of the ground and all I can think of is Shatner talking about how he didn't have any special effects and some guy blowing smoke, you know, smoking cigarette and blowing smoke because he had no funding left. Yes. And, and then and Poimler climbs in and he comes, you know, searching for the meaning and and. There's a there's a statement. There's always a catch with these God stories that would just hit home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mariner just goes, there's always a catch with these God stories. And and oh, God, it it was hilarious. But, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be real brief. Um, Absolutely. My favorite was the coming out party for Tendi. Of course. Here Mm -hmm. she is. Yes. Uh, Just the action hero flip over the back, crashing the motorcycle (laughs) and then admitting Yes, I do want to be captain. I think that is, she's going to be the first one to leave the lower decks and move on. And I'm so happy. Just such an incredible amount of material in such a short amount of time. I, yeah. I want to ask Mike how many storyboards there were for this. Think of all the scenes you saw. L-O-L. Yeah. And there's just right. like hundreds of these. There's got to be, there's probably a hundred, right? I mean, they had so many scene changes. If this was, yeah. if this was a movie, it'd be, I don't know, half, what a billion dollars to make. <laughs> they just draw it up, you know? I, I feel like this is an episode that we really, we, we kind of need to do a separate additional interviewer discussion about it. Um, and just very briefly in that conversation with Mike earlier, he said, um, I, I just said, look, this, the cinematic look, that you nailed by every time you go to the holodeck scenes, that little bit of soft focus, that little bit of grain, dirt and dust in there. And most brilliantly, and somebody pointed out here in the, uh, in the chat as well, Ryan said it. One of my favorite subtle moments is walking over the letterbox to get out of the holodeck. Absolute yes. genius detail. Genius. So I perfect. My notes. I'm obsessed when they put in, the letterboxes or the fake film grain. I think that's so funny. And it's like, it's such clever storytelling that oh. doesn't have to be there, but it just makes the world so much richer because it is. Yes. Yes. So good. And then um, he said that, uh, Oh, Brandon, I'm sorry. Well, no, John took a bunch of my points. Sorry, Brandon. LOL. You're still going to come on the show. We're going to see you here in a minute. Um, uh, uh, Mike was saying that a lot of that stuff he, he'd kind of thought of, but then the, the producers and I guess the animators sort of took it and ran with it. And he was afraid that it might be a little too much, but he kept seeing the, uh, the content come back and was just absolutely blown away by it. Um, and I don't want to steal his story, but apparently the, the rock monster was his idea. He drew it up that way and then presented that to uh, Mike McMahon to be part of the show. So, Did it give you like Val from the <clears throat> Apple vibe at all? Ah, uh, good call. Good call. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Or or the uh, what was that Mego game called? Uh, uh, Escape from... Oh, I can't remember. It was one of, on my list of Star Trek to- toys to own one day before I die. But they did a, a weird uh, sort of Feeders of Vol spinoff toy that was not very good in the 70s. <laughs> so, Mission to Gamma 6. That's it. Mission to Gamma 6. Thank oh you, Earl. Yeah, one day I will have that. So, I'm going to leave you with this. It's like Having a next an original series character on one of these shows should be like the high point, the really, really big deal. And mm-hmm. here it's just subtly blended in towards the end and you go, it's Kirk. Oh, no, even better. And it's just like, yes. of course, he's going to be here. And then you yeah. just move on to the yeah. next thing. Uh, amazing. And Norman's big issue. I mean, he's probably choking on the 
you know the <laughs> the uh you know the black ops badge at the end it, it really, <laughs> love to hear his opinion on that but yes. we'll let you uh get on to john and have a it's always great to see you too always. hey paul take care my friend till next time yeah. all right we got a couple more callers hanging out. Uh, we're going to go immediately to John and then Brandon. Hang in there. Hang in there. We're going to get there. We're going to just geek out over the uh, the technical look of the uh, the holodeck scenes. John Arminio, what is on your mind hey. tonight? Hey. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's a very b- busy night for, for you all, so thank you. And uh, that's what um, these great episodes draw yeah, out of yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm actually a big fan of Ben Rogers, who wrote this episode, and so I'm just over the moon about how much I just love this episode. I do think it's definitely my favorite of the season so far. It might be my favorite of, of the series. Wow. Uh, um, and I, as many Star Trek movie references as there were, I saw a lot of Star Wars stuff in here too. Like the, the map on, on the alien's back was like the dagger in, Rise of Skywalker, like oh, a MacGuffin nice. that comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And the discussion of a sequel that goes back on a previous movie for yes. no reason. And then the sort of fan anger between the two camps of which sequel is superior. And why aren't we with these characters who are having fun? We're in this like very strange, all of a sudden out of nowhere spiritual quest. So for this like 22 to 25 minute show to reference several Star Trek movies, mm-hmm. uh, comment on fan discourse, <laughs> reference Star Wars, and also have character development. Like that's some really efficient writing. And there's jokes. Yeah. And it's also jokes. very funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it is incredibly dense. And I, they they never belabor any of those points. You just, if you know it, if you know that there's discontent about the Kelvin timeline, yeah. they, they nailed it in just like about three lines of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just hearing, uh, I, I believe it's Tendu says, well, scientifically, that's very implausible. But yep. you know, <laughs> love that. Love that. It was genius. Yeah. And I really thought, what was pretty profound was, you know, Boimler's going through this like crisis and depression. He doesn't know how to deal with his sort of alternate dying. And so he's focusing all of that anguish onto his creative output. And so then his self-worth is equating or being equated with how good this movie is. And, you know, coming from like people who write TV for a living, that's a pretty <laughs> personal statement to be to acknowledge that. Like sometimes when we're at our worst, we see our work or art as like our own value. And so for this show to also put in that bit of like self examination, I thought was pretty uh, impressive and pretty powerful. Oh man, I, I feel also like will, will credit Boimler, who I love to drag. Um, yeah. That that is one of the healthier ways that you can deal with your grief. Sure, it's sure. not the best, but he could have done so much worse <laughs> than creating yeah. this hollow novel. <laughs> yeah, oh, but but see. like when it does, when the art doesn't work, he then takes it as well. Now I'm broken. Exactly, and right. that's not not healthy. And so, thankfully, we have you know his friends to help him along. Mm-hmm. Right. I I feel like we need to have a, a roundtable about this episode, and we need to yeah. have Ben. We need to have both mics. Sure. <laughs> we need to do the whole thing. Um, John, excellent comments. Uh, since we are kind of running out of time here, any final thoughts before we uh, say hi to our last caller? Um, just that I love Rutherford saying, well, I'm at least taking the pants. <laughs> that, that, that joke so much. <laughs> nice yeah a L- little bit of a uh, like a terminator reference there as well yeah. you know yeah. i just it it all worked yeah. like it but it, just as if like it's gonna be very quick and easy to take these pants yeah, off right. of this unconscious person <laughs> right right all so right. good well, uh, thank you thank you all so much take I, it I easy john you too. pleasure to see you. you uh Bye, by Ashley. the way 
Dr. Dawson in the chat uh, also echoing, uh, do they have to feed Val? <laughs> so, uh, but apparently, yes, yes, they did. And uh, by the way, Carrie's saying, how do we get Walter Koenig in an episode? And uh, the short answer to those, uh, Carlos says, ask nicely. Alan says, pay Probably. the man. Both, <laughs> I think both Pay legit. him whatever he wants, honestly. Yes, get him in there. Get him in there, absolutely. All right, let us welcome our last caller, and I apologize up front for uh, taking, I- I'm sure, only the tip of the iceberg of your very good points. Brandon, welcome to the show. What's on your mind tonight? Well, thanks, John. I appreciate you uh, apologizing for talking about things on your own show, but I don't think that the apology is entirely necessary. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> fair fair um no i i uh i'm i've really liked the discussion that i'm hearing about all about the episode um tonight and and a lot of perspectives i didn't see because i think that in my first couple watchings it's like well, that was good but i i did like the original better which i love that they just sort of preempt they preemptively make fun of everybody saying that um uh, I thought I would sort of just go through a couple like cool things that I noticed that yeah, weren't please. on the list of things that you mentioned. Um, I absolutely loved that they shot for shot recreated the Wayfarer came in and blocked the shots from the Romulan Warbird in exactly the same camera angle, exactly the same position as the <laughs> Enterprise E in First Contact. Yes. Um, I have I absolutely loved in the bazaar. There's just a character in the background saying exposition, just the word exposition. <laughs> Wait, is that what, what are the little aliens in that market? I, uh, I don't think he's even on screen. There's just like chatter, chatter, chatter. And you just hear a person go exposition. Oh. <laughs> I wonder if that was the prompt in the script and someone as a joke somebody read it. submitted yeah. the tape. It was like exposition, exposition. Oh, like that, like that old recording from the TV show Hercules where the guy yells disappointed and it was yes. the stage direction yeah best thing kevin zerbo ever gave us you can quite be clear about that yes yeah um and i loved commander doodle i was like wait i'm sorry what commander doodle oh i want that on a t-shirt for sure yeah (laughs) um the 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 serious elements of it because i always do like to try and find the that element in in these these episodes because i love that lower decks is able to do that for us even as a comedy um I I was really touched by Sulu's speech. Um, I thought that was it's I'm I'm looking at the text of it and I am mm-hmm. shocked at how brief it is, but yeah. how really beautiful it was and what a good like for everybody who who wants to have something meaningful to take away from it. Here it is. And um it's it's nice and it's crystallized and it's just wow, that's a really beautiful statement. It's up there with one of my other favorite quotes about like grief and loss is that um grief is the price we pay for love. Oh. And I I love that and I love what Sulu said because they're like almost cousins as statements go. Um and then I I love that Boimler does a Star Trek trope. And restates the exact same thing another way. And Sulu just calls him on it right there. I literally, I literally just, just said that. <laughs> and the the only time I've seen that like lampshaded that well was in Futurama when they made fun of it. And they said, you know, somebody always re-explains it and then Fry messes up later. It's something, something, a balloon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just I loved it. Oh. Um See, and that's the way to take something that is poignant and thoughtful and so very Star Trek, turn it into comedy, but in no way denigrate the message that's there. Absolutely. That that is a very fine balance that they achieved uh, with that just few seconds on screen. Yeah. Yeah. So well done. I think that was really great. Um, and if you'd like, I can offer my, I don't know what Norm's thoughts are going to be. I bet I can guess maybe, but I have my <laughs> thoughts on the black badge thing. Um, I, I loved the joke and then it got me actually thinking about it. And I wonder if the, like, if they really wanted to point to this whole thing is kind of, mm. I mean, I think the black badge looks really cool. But like I'm remembering it being just like on some like guy standing guard outside a closet or something in the third episode of disco. Mm-hmm. And yeah it's just what what but why 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 do you why do you have it and then he's never there again right 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. And I just, I, I love the, the line in that little epilogue, or you could still be dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The delivery just, of that was great. <laughs> so good. I just nailed every frustration that I have with uh, section 31 in that brief little scene. It was fantastic. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much for sticking around and waiting till the very end to share your uh, thoughts with us. I look forward to the next time as well. Have a great night. Thank you. All right. Take Thanks, easy, guys. Take friend. care. See ya. Bye. Ashley, I feel like for you and I, I know that we both took a lot of notes on this. I mean, yes. did, did we even scratch the surface on all the things we wanted to say? I don't I know. Mean, John, do we ever? We, we don't. We don't. That's why there's <laughs> always more to come, right? Exactly. There'll always be more. Well, pleasure to have you here tonight. I look forward to the next time. And uh, with that, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by the incalcitrant Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcast. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you, Ashley V. Robinson, for co-hosting this week. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. Guess what? We look forward to discussing Lower Deck Season 3, Episode 9 with all of you next week. This is a Roddenberry Podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.